with us over the last few weeks, you know that uh, we like to take the weeks in January here, the Sunday mornings in January each year, and talk about the things, talk about the things that are most important to us at Mount Hope. And so we've been doing that this time, we've been doing that this year underneath with three words. And the words that we've been looking at, and we've been looking at live, love, and learn. So last week, and I said those in the wrong order, we've been looking at learn, love, live. So last week we looked at this word learn, and we talked about uh, understanding, growing in our knowledge of who God is. If you remember, we used Proverbs chapter 2, and we talked about pursuing the knowledge of God like people pursue silver or a hidden treasure. And we said that when we have knowledge of God, what it does for us is it helps us to make good decisions and avoid the bad ones. Well, today we're going to talk about this word uh, love. And, and love is, a, love is a, an interesting word in that we use it in so many different ways and in so many different capacities. Some of you are here this morning and, and you would say uh, you just have this overwhelming love right now for the New England Patriots. You love the New England Patriots and everything that goes along with them. And, and maybe that's how you would use love. Some of you would be, you, we would talk about love and we would talk about how we love our spouse, but in the same way, uh, we may use the word love to talk about how we love pizza or tacos. And it's an interesting word because we use it in so many different ways. So what we want to talk about this morning is we want to talk about what do we mean when we use this word love here at Mount Hope? Why is that a word that's so important to us? What are we talking about when we use that word love since it's a word that can be used so many different ways. For all of us in our lives, I think that there's a question that we, we all probably ask ourselves as we walk through life. Probably all of us, at, from time to time, we take a look at our life and what we're doing and the different areas that we're in life, and we say to ourselves, you know, how am I doing as far as like growing in life and developing in life and the path that I'm on and the direction in which I'm headed, sometimes all of us will take time to sit back and evaluate and ask ourselves, overall, in general, how is it that I'm actually doing? We're hoping that we're maturing, we're hoping that we're developing, and the question is, how is it that we evaluate that? How do we go about determining whether or not we're headed in the right direction, we're growing the way that we should be, we're developing the way that we should be, we're maturing the way that we should be? How is it that we're supposed to measure those sorts of things, but all of us ask ourselves those questions. Am I headed in the right direction? Am I doing the right things? Am I growing in my character and development and all these things the way I should be? And you know, it strikes me that in some areas of our lives, those sorts of developments are, are easy to measure. In some areas of our lives, those, those things are, are easy to evaluate. We have evaluations built in to the way that we live. For instance, when we're in school and we're going through school and whether, you know, that's through high school or college or wherever we go, there are built-in evaluation tools to let us know whether or not we are growing and developing the way that we should be, or the way that someone thinks that we should be. And so during the, during the school year, you take tests, you take exams, you write papers, and you get evaluated, you get graded, and all those evaluations are designed to let us know if we are developing and growing the way that we should be. Maybe in your workplace, maybe where you're at in work, there's some sort of regular evaluation process by which once a year or maybe more, your boss or 
maybe the people that work with you or for you, all get together and provide some sort of evaluation, something that would say to you, you know, this is how you're developing, this is how you're maturing, this is the direction we see you on, some sort of evaluation. You go to the doctor, and the doctor will take certain vital signs every time you go. And the only reason they take those vital signs is to determine, are you headed in the right direction? Are you moving in the right direction in your health? Are things going in the right way? In some areas of our life, there are easy places, easy places for us to be able to evaluate and determine if we're headed in the right direction. But other places in our life, making those sorts of determinations and evaluations is much more challenging. All of us sit in, in some sort of, of roles, role in our life. We all play various roles. And for instance, I'm in the role, I'm a husband, I'm a father, I'm a son, I'm a, I'm a brother to two sisters. How do I know if I'm developing and growing and maturing in those sorts of roles? It seems difficult to measure, doesn't it? How do I know that this year in 2016, I'm, I'm, I'm developing and maturing and growing as a husband all the way that I should be? How do I evaluate that? And how do you and your roles as, as, as father and mother and brother and sister and son or daughter or a friend or whatever grandparent or whatever role you find yourself in, in those sorts of roles, how do you evaluate if you're growing and developing and maturing the way that you should be? There are some areas in our life where it just seems more difficult. And one of those areas in our lives, one of those areas that we want to talk about this morning, where sometimes it can be really difficult for us to be able to evaluate, am I growing, am I developing, am I maturing, is in our relationship with God. I mean, how do you know? How do you know that you're progressing the way you should be in your relationship with God? How do you know that at the end of 2016, you'll be in a better place with God than you were at the end of 2015? My family, uh, when I was growing up, there was a restaurant that we used to go to uh, on, I guess, a fairly regular basis, and the restaurant was called uh, Spaghetti Works, and you'll never guess what they sold. But we used to go there, it was one of these places where it was like $6.99, and you could eat as much pasta as you wanted with all sorts of different sauces, and there was, it was always busy. So whenever we went, there was all, we always had to sit in the waiting area for a while. And I remember in that waiting area, there were benches there uh, where you could sit, of course, typical waiting area. There's a spot for you to hang your coats. But they had this little room off to the side at uh, Spaghetti Works. And in the room off to the side, they had a little arcade. But it wasn't uh, a modern arcade. All this stuff was really old arcade machines, like the kind of stuff you would find in an old carnival or on, uh, on the boardwalk of a beach, like if you were up at York Beach and went to that arcade, you know, the, the old, old arcades. And one of the things that they had was they had one of those old antique uh, love testers. You remember those? And how it worked was you would, you would put a coin in and you would pull the handle and there were all sorts of adjectives on a list and then there were lights that were next to each adjective. And the adjectives ranged from something like, you know, uh, tepid to something like uncontrollable. And so the lights would be next to it, and you would put your quarter in, and you would pull the handle or hit the button, and the light would show up, and it would tell you definitively where you ranked on, uh, on the love meter. And it would be kind of nice, wouldn't it, if God would provide us with something like that, 
where we could, we could go and, and God provided us with some sort of list and some sort of evaluation and we could know just where we stand with him. Like when he looks at us on, on the scale, how are we doing? And so there would be, you know, this list of people perhaps and there would be lights next to him. And, and at the top, well, the top would be Jesus, but we would never get that light. And then underneath Jesus might be like Mother Teresa or Billy Graham or someone especially good like that. And then way down at the bottom, there would be, I'll let you fill in the blank of who would be at the bottom. And then we'd put in our quarter and we'd pull the handle or hit the button and the light would come on and we would know, okay, this is where I stand. This is where I stand with God. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll, I'll do everything I'm supposed to do for the next six months and then I'll come back and I'll put another quarter and hopefully, hopefully the light's gone up again. But there's really nothing like that, is there, in our relationship with God? I mean, how do you know? How do you know that you're moving forward, developing, maturing in the way that God wants you to? Well, this morning we're going to look uh, at, a, at a man, really an expert in the law, he's called. He was a lawyer, a lawyer who came to Jesus with uh, a similar type of question and just asked him, you know, Jesus, how is it that I'm supposed to know that I'm moving in the right direction? How is it I'm supposed to know that I'm, I'm doing what God wants me to do? How is it that I'm supposed to know that I'm growing, growing and developing and maturing in the way that God wants me to? And we're going to look at Jesus' answer. And, and what we're going to discover this morning is that even though it can sometimes feel like it's very difficult to be able to evaluate how we're growing in God, that God has given us in his word a couple of very specific, concrete things that we can look at in our life and know if we are headed in the right direction. We're in Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10 this morning, and we're starting here in verse 25, and these verses will be up on the screen. There's some Bibles underneath the chairs in front of you if you would like, but Luke chapter 10, and In these verses, this is what Luke records. Luke writes, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. And here's the scene, right? Jesus is teaching, and this expert in the law, and it wouldn't be uh, this, this man who's an expert in the law, he would in many ways be a, a religious leader in the community. He's an expert in God's law. He's an expert in what's called the Torah, expert in, in all those rules that are written there in your Old Testament, in your Bible, and many rules that were written outside of that that the Jewish people followed. And so as a lawyer, he wasn't just in charge of the laws of the state. What he was really in charge of was the laws of God. And so for the Jewish people, he would interpret those and help and understand those. And if there were questions, he would help uh, solve the problems. And so he, as an expert of the law, comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I know? There's all these hundreds, maybe thousands of laws we're supposed to follow. How am I supposed to know that I'm headed in the right direction? And I like what Jesus does. He just kind of throws the question right back at him. Well, you're a smart guy. You know the law. What do you think? What do you think the answer is? And the man gives this answer, and it's something that's so simple. 
thousands of laws that the people were following, and he just boils it right down to what's most important. And the man says back to Jesus, well, if I had to condense all of these laws into two things, this is what I would say. I would say you can fulfill the whole law by loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and by loving your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you've got it. Go and do that, and you'll be all set. You'll be headed in the right direction. I love that answer because it's so simple. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's simple, isn't it? The problem that we have is when it comes to evaluating ourselves, how in the world are we supposed to know if we're doing it? If that's the key to inheriting eternal life and being in the right direction and developing and maturing the way that God wants us to, how are we supposed to even know if we're doing it well? How do I know if I'm loving God today with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength uh, the way that I should be? How do I know if I'm loving my neighbor as ourselves? It seems so difficult to be able to measure. Well, for each one of those things, the Bible provides us with a very concrete and specific way to measure each of those. And when we talk about love at Mount Hope, and we talk about evaluating if we are loving God and loving our neighbor the way that we should, these are the markers. These are the markers that all of us individually should be looking at in our lives to try and determine, am I loving God, am I loving my neighbor the way that I should? Well, that first one. How do I know if I'm loving God the way that I should? How do I know if I'm loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength? To answer that question, we're going to leave Luke chapter 10, and we're going to go to some of those verses that we just read together in 1 John chapter 4. We just read these, and I'm not going to read all of them again, but let me just read a couple verses that we read together. This is what John says. Dear friends, Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is what God said, this is what John says to us. John says, you want to evaluate how much you love God? You want to know whether or not you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Here's a real easy test to give yourself. How are you doing loving the person who's sitting next to you right now? Now, John is talking to the church. He's not talking to people outside the church. He's saying, you brothers and sisters in Christ, you who say you follow God, how are you doing loving the brother or sister in Christ who's sitting next to you right now? If you want to know how you're doing in your love for God, he says the two are intimately connected. If you say that you love God, yet you don't like or you hate, he says, your brother or sister in Christ, the problem is not that you you don't know your brother and sister in Christ enough. The problem is not uh, that you're not working hard enough to love that person. The real problem is you really don't know God. Because if you knew God, who is love, if you understood who he is and you were living in his presence and you knew who he was, 
then this wouldn't be an issue. You would have no problem loving one another. So if John was to walk into a church, or he was to walk into a group of Christians, and and there was conflict, and there was tension, and there was disunity, and -and so-and-so didn't like so-and-so, you know, probably because they park in their space in the parking lot or because they sit in their chair in the sanctuary, all those real important things that church people can get upset about. And so uh, if, if John was to walk into that sort of situation and there was no love between the brothers and sisters in Christ, John's message to them is not, you guys need to figure out how you can love each other more. John's message to them would be, you guys have no idea who God is. If you knew who God is, and we're experiencing his love, you were living in his presence and growing in your knowledge of him, then this, this would never be a problem. And it's a simple test for us too in our own lives. If I want to know if I'm really living in God and loving him the way that I should, the question I should ask myself is not, well, how do I feel about God? But how am I doing loving my brother and sister in Christ? And sometimes we need to ask ourselves some hard questions, like when I walk into church, are there people that I'm actively avoiding? Do I spend time gossiping in the church? When I walk into church, when I'm with my fellow Christians and my fellow believers, Am I concerned about meeting their needs, or am I more concerned about having my needs met? We're consumers in our culture. That's what we do, and we're really good at it. We consume things. And we're so used to saying, if we go to a place, if we go to one coffee shop and they don't meet our needs, well, that's fine. We'll just go to the next coffee shop. And so often we bring that, that, that consumer mentality into the church and we walk in and we say, well, do these people meet my needs and does what's happening here meet my needs? And if it doesn't, uh, we just will we'll go to the church down the street and see if that church meets our needs. And what John would say to us is he would say, listen, if you really knew God and understand God, we, you would be able to love each other. We would be able to love each other the way that we should. And if there's an issue, if there's an issue with my ability to love my brother and sister in Christ, the hard reality that I have to deal with myself is is that there's something wrong with me and God. And if I fix that, if I get to know him more, this will not be an issue. So am I loving God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength the way that I should? Well, John says if we want to do it, then we need to be able to love each other. And we should be, right there in verse 16, actively knowing and relying on God. Those verbs in that verse, knowing and relying on God, they're written in Greek. And they're in the present tense. I know this is fascinating. Just hang with me. This is good stuff. They're written in the present tense. And the present tense in ancient Greek, what it means is, the present tense, is that John's talking about an act that happened in the past that continues to affect daily life today. That's the present tense. 
And so when John writes these verbs in the present tense, knowing and relying on God's love, what he says is you've come to, you've come to know and rely on God's love in the past, but not, this is not just something that should happen in your past. Every single day, we should be knowing and relying on the love of God. And if you want to know, if you're loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, ask yourself, am I able to love those around me? And am I able to wake up each and every morning and say, today's a day I'm going to know and rely on the love of God? And wake up tomorrow and say, today's a day I'm going to know and rely on the love of God. John says, if you are living in that place, you're where you need to be. But if you're waking up and, and, and today's not a day that you're knowing and relying on the love of God, today's not a day that you're able to love your brother and sister in Christ, then maybe you need to ask some hard questions about whether or not you're loving God the way that you should. And so that's really the first test that we have for ourselves. Am I loving God the way that I should? The question I ask myself is how, will I, how am I doing loving those in the body of Christ? But there's a second question, isn't there? There's the neighbor question. How do I know whether or not I'm loving my neighbor? Well, we flip back there to Luke chapter 10, and we come back to our lawyer friend. And our lawyer friend, he's got the same question for Jesus. As an expert in the law, my guess is, and I'm assuming this, my guess is he probably thought he was doing okay with the love of God. That that really wasn't a concern for him. He was a religious leader. He knew the law. My guess is, is he was less concerned with the God part. He probably figured he had that one in the bank. But he was very concerned with this neighbor part. How do I know if I'm loving my neighbor? And so that's the question he asked Jesus. After Jesus says, go and do this, the expert of the law, it says, Luke says that he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, well, then who is my neighbor? And Jesus tells this story that you may have heard before, and even if you haven't heard the story, you've probably heard the phrase or the name that comes out of this story. Jesus tells this story that to us probably seems like a nice little tale, but it's a story that would have been scandalous to the people that were hearing it. Jesus uh, tells this quick story. He says, well, let me tell you who your neighbor is. There was a man who was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. And on the way, he was attacked by a band of robbers. He was beaten and left half dead in the middle of the road. A little while later, a priest, nice religious guy, comes along, sees the man lying in the road half dead, and walks right past him. A little while later, a Levite, who is another religious leader within the Jews, a Levite comes by, sees the man half dead in the, in the middle of the road, Jesus says, and he, this man crosses the street and passes by on the other side. I think at this point, the expert in the law probably feels like he's doing okay because he's neither a priest nor a Levite. And so he probably is thinking to himself, well, you know, those are religious leaders, but they're not like me. And so I won't be like them. If I see someone, uh, my fellow Jewish brother or sister in need, I will help them. But then Jesus says something that would have uh, in many ways, maybe even made this expert in the law angry. Jesus says, the third person that came by was a Samaritan. The Samaritan saw the man beaten in the middle of the road and took compassion on him, bandaged his wounds, took him 
to an inn, paid the innkeeper for his stay in medical care, and told the innkeeper, if there's any more expenses, I will be back to pay those as well. And then Jesus says to the man, who was the neighbor? And the man says, the one who had mercy. Why doesn't the man say the Samaritan? Why does he say the one who has mercy? When Jesus says that word Samaritan, I can see the crowd and I can see this expert in the law say to themselves, you've got to be kidding me. Jesus was speaking to good Jewish people and good Jewish people did not associate themselves with people like the Samaritans. The Samaritans were, this is kind of a crass term, but they, they were, they were half-breeds to the Jewish people. They were, they were a mixed race that the Jews did not associate with. You see, the Jewish people, if you know anything about world history, there were times throughout uh, their, their, their um, history where different empires would come and would hold them captive. So you have Assyrians and you have Babylonians, you have Persians at different times. And the Samaritans were people that descended from relationships between full-blooded Jewish people, and captors. To the point that if a Jewish person, this is what the scholars say, if a Jewish person was traveling somewhere and the road through Samaria was the quickest route, they would go around Samaria and add time to their journey rather than come in contact with a Samaritan. On every level, religiously, ethnically, socially, the Jews and the Samaritans did not get along. And I just wonder if this man couldn't even bring himself to say the Samaritan. And so when Jesus asks who had mercy, he just says, or who's the neighbor, he says the one who had mercy. Because he's not going to say the Samaritan. And Jesus says to the people, you want to evaluate whether you're loving your neighbor? What is your capacity to show mercy, to show spontaneous mercy? That's one thing that strikes me about this situation. This is a spontaneous situation. This is not, this is not the Samaritan saying, you know, Tuesdays once a month I'm going to volunteer here. This is a spontaneous situation that the Samaritan comes across and helps out this man. And Jesus is saying, what is your spontaneous capacity to show mercy to those who are in need regardless of how you feel about them, regardless of how, whether you've been consciously or subconsciously taught since your birth that they are other than you, what is your capacity to be able to show mercy to that person in the moment? You want to know if you're loving your neighbor? Ask yourself that question. Expert of the law, if a Samaritan man was lying half beaten in the middle of the road, would you stop and help him? The question for us is, who's our modern-day Samaritan? Who are the people that when we came across them and they were in need, who would it be that would be so difficult for us to help? And if we want to, evaluate, if we want to know whether or not we're truly loving our neighbor, Jesus says, put yourself in that situation. And if you're willing to show mercy, regardless of differences in, in, in morality, regardless of differences in ethnicity, regardless of differences in, in, in money, if you're willing to show mercy in that situation, 
you're loving your neighbor the way I'm asking you to. And so we have to ask ourselves the tough questions. Am I, as a follower of Christ, willing to show mercy to those in need that I may not necessarily agree with? And what if I have the ability to show mercy, but the person, the person is actively an addict? Would I do it? Or what if I have the ability to show mercy, spontaneous moment of mercy, but the person, the person is, 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 is uh, she's wearing a hijab. Would I do it? What if I have the ability to show mercy in a moment, but the person is transgendered? Would I do it? I think Jesus is saying to us, if you're loving your neighbor the way I'm asking you to, you would. Showing mercy might be, is, is different than approval. But in that moment when someone is in need, would you show mercy and compassion to them? Those are sometimes hard questions for us. But I don't know how Jesus is saying anything else to us. I don't know how he's saying anything else. The immigrant the refugee, I mean, regardless of how you feel, Jesus is saying, regardless of what you've been taught to feel, are you willing in that moment to show mercy? You want to know if you're loving your neighbor the way you should? How do you spontaneously respond in that moment? You know, I think if we were to walk around and ask people, how would you define the word love? We would get a million different responses. However many people we asked, that's how many responses we probably would get. How do you define love? How do you know if you're growing in love? How do you know if you're headed in the right direction? I think that most of us, if we had to define love, we'd look back at our personal experience and we would say, well, uh, you know, this is love lost for me. This is love won for me. This is what I experienced in my relationships. This is what I experienced in marriage. This is what I experienced from my parents. So I would define love as X. And our definition of love would be based upon the experiences that we've had. Even Albert Einstein once said that, that with all his knowledge in physics and chemistry, there's no way he could use that to define what love is. It's just too difficult to define. But the Bible says if we want to know who love is, we can know definitively what love is. God is love. If we know God, we will know love. We're called to love God and we're called to love others, very clearly. If we want to know how we're doing in those areas, there are really only two questions that we need to ask ourselves. And that is, how am I doing and showing love to my brother and sister in Christ? And how am I doing and showing mercy to those outside the body of Christ? It's simple tests to know where we stand. How am I doing in those areas? And if I find myself lacking in those areas, the, the, the action that we need to take, John says, the action that we need to take is not to try and just work harder to love people more and not try to be a better person and show greater love in the body. It's not just to try to be a more merciful person and resolve with ourselves. The next time I see someone in need, I'm going to help out. John says to us, if we find ourselves lacking in those areas, the 
the response that we need to have is to come to know God more, to pursue him more, to spend more time in his presence, to go after him more. Because if we know God, who is love, then that love that fills us in our relationship with him will spontaneously pour out to those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ and those who God puts in our way who need mercy and who are in need. If I know God, then I will know love because God is I'm going to invite our worship team to come back as we close this morning. One of the amazing things about God's love is that God has never waited for any of us to get our act together before he loves us. God loves us when we are most unlovable. Not when we are right where he wants us to be, but when we're running away from him and our back is turned towards him and we are doing the exact opposite of what he's asking us to do, God loves us. And if we're to go and love him and love others the way that we should, then we need to experience, dwell in, go after God who is love. You know, in the time we have left together this morning, there's a couple different things that we have uh, that we can do. We're going to have some of our leaders up front here at the front of the sanctuary. And if you would like someone to pray with you, maybe on this topic, or maybe there's something else going on in your life, whatever it is, we want to pray with you. We believe that our God answers prayer and that he moves whatever it is, no matter how important or mundane it seems to you, we want to pray with you about it. But I would encourage all of us in these next few moments as we sing and as we reflect to take time and evaluate how are we doing and showing love to those in the body of Christ and showing mercy to those outside of the body of Christ. And are we truly pursuing God the way we should be so that his love fills us and overflows to others? God is love. Know God, and you'll know love. God, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your love to us. God, help us to be the kind of people who love one another the way you've called us to and who show mercy to those who are in need. God, we can't do it on our own. We need your love living in and through us. We pray for your grace to do this in Jesus' name. Amen.